In this episode of Evening Readings, I am going to be looking at the work of Albert Camus. Please forgive my French accent. <laughs> uh, he is a French novelist, essayist, and playwright, born November 7th, 1913, in Algeria, and died January 4th, 1960. Um, notable works include The Stranger, The Plague, The Shoot, and the collection of essays and stories from which I will be reading to you all this evening, The Myth of Sisyphus. Uh, one more notable thing, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1957. Now, the excerpt from The Myth of Sisyphus I will be reading to you all is entitled Absurd Freedom. So, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Absurd Freedom Now the main thing is done. I hold certain facts from which I cannot separate. What I know what is certain, what I cannot deny, what I cannot reject. This is what counts. I can negate everything of that part of me that lives on vague nostalgias, except this desire for unity, this longing to solve, this need for clarity and cohesion. I can refute everything in this world surrounding me that offends or enraptures me, except this chaos, this sovereign chance and this divine equivalence which springs from anarchy. I don't know whether this world has a meaning that transcends it, but I know that I do not know that meaning, and that it is impossible for me just now to know it. What can a meaning outside my condition mean to me? I can only understand in human terms. What I touch, what resists me, that is what I understand. And these two certainties, my appetite for the absolute and for unity, and the impossibility of reducing this world to a rational and reasonable principle, I also know that I cannot reconcile them. What other truth can I admit without lying, without bringing in a hope I lack, and which means nothing within the limits of my condition? If I were a tree among trees, a cat among animals, this life would have a meaning, or rather this problem would not arise, for I should belong to this world. I should be this world to which I am now opposed by my whole consciousness and my whole insistence upon familiarity. This ridiculous reason is what sets me in opposition to all creation. I cannot cross it out with a pen. What I believe to be true, I must therefore preserve. What seems to me so obvious, even against me, I must support. And what constitutes the basis of that conflict? of that break between the world and my mind, but the awareness of it. If therefore I want to preserve it, I can through a constant awareness, ever revived, ever alert. This is what, for the moment, I must remember. At this moment, the absurd, the obvious and yet so hard to win, returns to a man's life and finds its home there. At this moment, too, the mind can leave the arid, dried up path of lucid effort. That path now emerges in daily life. It encounters the world of the anonymous and personal pronoun one, but henceforth man enters it with his revolt and his lucidity. He has forgotten how to hope. This hell of the present is his kingdom at last. All problems recover their sharp edge. Abstract evidence retreats before the poetry of forms and colors. Spiritual conflicts become embodied and return to the abject and magnificent shelter of a man's heart. None of them is settled. But all are transfigured. 
Is one going to die, escape from the leap, rebuild a mansion of ideas and forms to one's own scale? Is one, on the contrary, going to take up the heart-rendering and marvelous wager of the absurd? Let's make a final effort in this regard and draw all our conclusions. The body, affection, creation, action, human nobility will then resume their places in this mad world. At last, man will again be there, the wine of the absurd, and the bread of the indifference on which he feeds his greatness. Let us insist again on that method. It is a matter of persisting. At a certain point on his path, the absurd man is tempted. History is not lacking in either religions or prophets, even without gods. He is asked to leap. All he can reply is that he doesn't fully understand, that it is not obvious. Indeed, he does not want to do anything but what he fully understands. He is assured that this is the sin of pride, but he does not understand the notion of sin, that perhaps hell is in store, but he has not enough imagination to visualize the strange future, that he is losing immortal life. And that seems to him an ideal consideration. An attempt is made to get him to admit his guilt. He feels innocent. To tell the truth, that is all he feels his irreparable innocence. This is what allows him everything. Hence, what he demands of himself is to live solely with what he knows, to accommodate himself to what is and to bring in nothing that is not certain. He is told that nothing is. Hi guys, I just wanted to take a second and um, thank everyone who's been listening to these episodes. It means the world to me. Um, I really, really enjoy doing this. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, I guess, give you guys a window into my world, what I like to do, and it is to read. Um, So again, thank you so much for listening. Um, If you do like this, please share it on social media. Even if you don't like it, share it, tell me why. Um, If there's any authors or writings that you would like to hear me read, by all means, shoot me a message and I will definitely work that in to this podcast. Uh, Again, your support means absolutely everything to me. So thank you for listening, and um, have a good night. Hi guys, if you enjoyed that episode, be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be up to date and notified anytime we post a new episode. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us at Evening Reads with Cam. Again, that's Evening Reads with Cam on Instagram. I'll notify you guys anytime there is any updates with the podcast. Have a good evening.